Sure. Um, Hi, how are you? I'm well. How are you doing? Good. Just you enjoying have... the nice day. It looks like it's a nice, beautiful day in, in yeah. Napa or Sonoma. But where are you, actually? I'm actually in Guerneville. I came to R3, which is like an LGBTQIA kind of hotel. And they had this like um, 4th of July, I guess, on, on 4th of July Pride event. <laughs> and it was a lot of fun. So I've been here for the last three days. Oh, okay, so tell, tell me what a, a, like a LGBTQ Pride event is like. How, how is it different from the usual fireworks and Honestly, it was just like a collective space of people in the community just like having a good time, hanging by the pool. There were no fireworks, uh, which I mean, it's fine by me. And we were just like all getting to know each other. There were a whole bunch of dogs running around. I had my dog with me and we were just sharing some drinks, getting to meet people. Great. Well, that, that sounds like a nice 4th of July. I, uh, <laughs> as you know, was up in Sonoma and we didn't really do much for the 4th itself. We heard some fireworks going off and we're in the square and during the day, and it was filled with people, but it wasn't, there were no fireworks. That kind of makes me happy. Uh, oh, yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> I, know. I know, who likes fireworks? I guess some people do. Some people do. Some people do, yeah. Okay, so I... Uh, for those of you who are just tuning in, you're listening to KXSF LP San Francisco. This is DJ Pamela Louie. My guest is Darwin Acosta, who is the who founded Co-Fermented, which is an LGBTQ group organization in the wine industry. Darwin is also a wine educator at Scribe Winery. And what else? Darwin, I'm going to let you take <laughs> over. Tell everybody about yourself. Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you, Pamela, for having me. I think this is the third time I'm on your radio. So it's such a pleasure so. always to be here. Yeah, it is it, it is my third time. Um, but I am a New York City native, made my way to Napa. Right after graduating with, from culinary school, I finished with a food science and food studies degree, and I was really into beverage. And I had just finished taking a few beverage courses at the CIA, which is the Culinary Institute of America in New York and Hyde Park. And I had four weeks left until um, kind of graduating when the pandemic hit. And I kind of had to repurpose what I wanted to do. I always wanted to go into wine. So I ended up having an amazing opportunity thanks to the Roots Fund. And my journey into Napa started August of 2020. So I've been living in Northern California for almost two years now. Um, and that's just like my origin story and, and how I got here. Okay, so can you just tell everybody what the Roots yeah. Fund is? The Roots Fund is an organization that um, brings opportunity, access, and job placement to BIPOC individuals that in the U.S. that want to go into the wine industry. Great. And okay, so what made you decide, or like when you were in the CIA, what made you think, wow, I, I think I want to work in wine? Yeah, so I... It really was when I was at CIA that I noticed that I wanted to go into wine because growing up, um, the beverage that, you know, represented my culture was coffee. So actually, before even graduating uh, high school, I started working at Starbucks. That was like my gateway into the beverage world, at least like through the lens of coffee when it came to service, you know, just like learning where coffee sourced from, the production, all the way to like food pairings. And I was like, wow, this is pretty cool. Like if this is what's happening with coffee, then it's probably is the same, but I wasn't legal to drink yet. And I didn't really grow up around spirits. I mean, spirits, yes, but not wine. And then at the CIA, you're required to take a three week introduction to wine course. And that's where you like learn everything about the regions in the world, the varieties, labels, but it was very like service orientated. It was very um, it, like you it was catered for you to end up in hospitality, whether that was restaurants or hotels. I did not know anything about the production side or like the agricultural side, which is what I wanted to learn more about. So I focused my bachelor's degree and I double majored on food science because I just wanted to learn more about like food science in general and then food studies. And that kind of gave me perspective on like ecology and food policy and all these classes that I really enjoyed. And I guess for me, once the pandemic hit, I was like, well, where, what can I do now that I'm kind of like figuring out what to do that would encompass a lot of my interest 
um, into one, I guess, industry or point. And I started watching and like movies about wine and reading and studying and drinking more during the pandemic. And I was like, you know what? Harvest is essential. It's agriculture. Why don't I just go do a harvest? And at that time I had gotten in touch with the founders of the Roots Fund, Carlton McCoy and Ikimi. Um, and they had reached out to me like late July of 2020. And we're like, we have something for you. Um, how fast can you get here? And I was like, you know what? I don't know what's about to happen in the next few years. We're still in a pandemic. Like, let me just take this leap of faith. And I've always wanted to move to California. So it just kind of all like, like just lined up for me um, in a different way. And then I ended up going into production instead of going into service, which is what I thought I was going to end up doing after graduating. But I think production was just the best starting point, to be honest, because I just started learning so much about like the production methods. And I was at a really high end boutique winery uh, called Dalla Valle for my first harvest in St. Helena in Oakville, uh, Napa. Excuse me. There's a motorcycle that clearly needs a new muffler. And just went by. <laughs> anyway, but it's I, I, if I close the door, then you'll just see me start sweating profusely. It's incredibly hot. So my <laughs> apologies to everybody for the noise. Uh, so so that was you kind of pulled a little bit of a Green Acres. I mean, I know that CIA is in Hyde Park. It's not New York City, but mm-hmm. it is a sort of like going from being a very like, you know, having I know you grew up in the city um, and then like coming and living in Napa and Sonoma, that's, that is a big change. And you're going from one coast to another coast. So how was that transition for you? I, I, I kind of mentally was prepared to be around a not so diverse community coming from New York City. Like I had to adapt to upstate New York, which is completely different. I mean, like, it's just a lot of white people, straight white people. And I was like, wow, this is such a culture shock went into college um but I was still close enough to the city that I was able to kind of refuel myself going home you know having my my, like my parents are from the Dominican Republic so even having like access to a Dominican restaurant to me was important um but I knew that coming out here I was like I'm gonna have to sacrifice certain parts of my life that make me comfortable in order to kind of succeed and if when you think about it it's like like it's in a way sad, but it's also like, you know, it's just the times that we live in and it's just what Napa is. The two major demographics in Napa are Mexican people and white people. And I am Spanish speaking. So I knew that to some capacity I was going to have comfort um, with relating to other Latin people, but it wouldn't have been the same. And then on top of that, there's just not a really wide, like big queer community in Napa. Um, And everybody kept telling me like, well, you're so close to San Francisco. Why don't you just go to San Francisco? And I'm like, yeah, but not many people really go to San Francisco. And I like already am working harvest. I don't really want to have to drive an hour and a half to find community. Um, So it was a little bit of an adjustment. At first, I thought, you know, this was going to be a four month uh, adventure and then I would go back to New York. But then I ended up meeting a lot of people that were transplants from New York, like running into people that literally grew up in my same neighborhood a blocks away. And now they're like such like there's such a huge support system for me. Um, And I think that's just like the beauty of being in Napa is like everyone is there. A lot of people there, not all of them, are either transplants or they've come from somewhere else or they're there temporarily, um, which is what I've noticed. And I think in the movement of like diversifying the industry and all these DNI efforts, there are a lot of people of color um, that are having opportunities to come out here. And I think it's become much more of like a home for me, which I didn't think that was going to happen. But here we are. Yeah, I mean, I think that, it, yeah, in the last few couple of years, there, I think there are more opportunities just because there is like, people have been really shaken by certain events, especially in 2020, mm-hmm. the police executions of Breonna Taylor, George Floyd and, mm-hmm. and, and others, you know. Uh, but, you know, what I do wonder is there are the opportunities, there are scholarships, you know, there's stuff like the Roots Fund. And, but when, is that is this really going to be like you know how much are we going to make this a part of like it's not just okay we're opening up more internships to people yeah. of color but actually having systemic change and yeah. i think mm-hmm. that as a as a culture and it's not not just the wine industry i think everyone is that we're now seeing 
and this is my view, maybe not not so much a backlash, but there's still not that sort of urgency that there was a couple of years ago. And like I was having a conversation uh, actually with a, a mutual friend of ours the, the other day uh, and, you know, Christopher Renfro about this and how mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, a couple of years ago, well, people were home with COVID. And so it's like they had the time to go and protest or whatever, but now it, it's where if people are, you know, it's not quite back to normal, but people are back to where they're not necessarily working remotely or all the mm-hmm. time and things are, and just a lot of things are open that weren't open a couple of years ago. And it's like that, you know, the part of systemic change is, is that it's not just doing this, you know, these little, like having these internships and I'm not, I'm not downplaying the importance yeah. of that, but it, but it's about taking the, you know, thinking about being an anti-racist and, and just thinking about mm-hmm. privilege and discrimination in everything you do and bringing that into your work life. So yeah. to you as a wine industry professional and somebody who is now you're working, you're at Scribe, uh, you worked at Della Valle. I know you've, there've been one or two other wineries that, that you've mm-hmm. been working with. Do you see where the, in the wine industry, at least from, from where you are, do you see where that's happening, where there is really efforts to make, to create real systemic change? And, you know, granted, I'm a real systemic change is, is a major uprooting of capitalism, but let's just talk about the systemic change of where we're going to, where like wine companies, wine businesses are going to, to incorporate anti-racism into the way they do business. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I, I have. I talk no, a lot. I'm no. sorry. You're fine. I got the jits of the yeah. question. Um, and I was thinking about a conversation I had recently um, with a few of my friends. And it's like, okay, yeah, like all these internships and all these opportunities are great. You know, you're giving an individual that wouldn't have the same. A- access you know a a position where they can have an experience but at the same time like are we checking in on them on their mental health are we checking in on how they're doing and how do we create an environment let's per se napa where it's very older white money and have them feel you know invited welcomed and want to stay and continue pursuing a career in this environment um and is that happening and i don't think that is happening um to a certain extent like the opportunities are being presented but i think the long term of like you know are we actually creating systematic change where people want to pursue a career and stay here i don't think that's that's <clears throat> happening enough and i to if i'm honest like i don't know how like i'm uh, me figuring out like how that can be done i mean there's many i i can think of a, a few things but i don't know what's what's going to be like the big answer i think it's going to be a combination of things and for me like even creating change or even creating like a voice or and creating space for people that feel like they don't feel welcomed in a particular space is one of the reasons that led me to start co-fermented um because I was just like, I keep meeting these people that are in the industry in the Bay Area ish, and they don't feel like they have a tight knit community of you know LGBTQIA people within the wine organization, or they just don't know of each other. So they feel like they don't meet people, and there isn't like enough awareness for other people, even when it comes to like marketing or when it comes to like you know who who are the faces that are being presented of these brands. Um, so I think to answer your question, there are initial efforts that have been done in the last two years, three years since a lot of the BLM movements and things that have happened that have sparked change. But I think we still have a long way to go. Um, and like this is just going to it's not going to happen overnight. It's going to be a, this is going to be a movement that's going to take some time because I feel I personally think we just started Um so it might just take a little bit of time to get to a point. And I don't think that we're near that point yet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, I, don't. I, I think, you know, as you said, it's to undo not just decades, but hundreds of years of exploitation and colonization. No. Yeah. And I'm, I'm talking, and here I'm talking about in wine itself. I think, you know, there's, and 
there's this ideal, you know, I think a lot of Americans idealize like the American wine industry, especially in California, that it was started by uh, Italian immigrants who came over. And, mm-hmm. and then there's sort of this a notion of, well, then, you know, there were the Spanish missionaries who came over and they planted the mission grape, and, which was Pais in, in you know, yeah, in, in, in Chile. Chile, yeah. Uh, and don't, there's not, there's sort of this disconnect between the fact that, okay, so with the missionaries who came over, uh, there was a genocide against the indigenous people. There was mm-hmm. basically indentured servitude against the indigenous people here in California mm-hmm. in the 19th century. You know, yes, there were Italian immigrants who came over you know, in the 1800s. There were also a lot of Chinese immigrants who helped build the industry in Sonoma. Yeah, especially in Napa too. Right, Napa and Sonoma, and you know, along with the railroads, which were related, when they were mm-hmm. basically, you know, they didn't have the idea was they were going to come here, make money, and then send it home and bring it home. And most of them didn't. They basically just had maybe enough money just to pay for their bare essentials. Um, yeah. And, and then that's not to say of of you know the idea of you know this notion of Thomas Jefferson and George Washington making wine and all the lives that that are behind that. You know, there is mm-hmm. this this ideal. And so when we think about the American wine industry, yeah, there's a really long, ugly history there. Um, it's and, huge. Yeah. So yes, no, it's not going to change over. It's definitely not changing <laughs> overnight. But I, I wonder if, if the changes that uh, are happening now really are, really have legs. And mm-hmm. again, I think it's great, you know, seeing people like Colton McCoy and there I mean, people like yourselves who are, young and are only going to have like you know grow and, ha- and have more influence and do great things and you know uh maria bailey and, and christopher renfro yeah and, yeah there i mean we there are a number of people who i think are really doing awesome stuff right now but is there are these going to be is this just kind of the acts of like of a few people or, or is this really going to translate into like a movement, a really powerful movement, let's say even within the next decade. And I'm not asking you to answer that because there's no way of answering it. I I just wonder about that. Yeah. Uh, I wonder that. I wonder that too. And like, you know, because we're now all falling back into like, I guess our normal routines of like, even though it's a whole different world than where we were at even last year, even right before the pandemic, like, you know, we have all this stuff going on in the world, politically, Ukraine, the, like, it's just like, I also wonder, and I've been thinking about that to myself, like personally asking myself, okay, well, you know, I've created co-fermented and this is, you know, a space that's gonna, that I hope I have been doing and I hope for it to continue providing a space for more LGBTQI folks in the industry to get together and celebrate each other and just have a community. But how can I create, like I literally asked myself the other day, how do I like get to a point, whether it's like I create a plan several years out where I can create systematic change because that's what we really need, which is Mm -hmm. obviously what you just mentioned before. And I don't, personally, I'm not like, super well like you know well informed in how to even get there yet i think that these initial efforts and meeting other people that are like-minded is what has inspired me into oh oh, that that's kind of cool you know i i can see us working together or how can we join forces or you know just being able to brainstorm ideas together and talk about what is it that we want to change now. I think it's, what's going to create, it's creating like these little ripples and then eventually like we'll, we'll be able to create waves um, with other people. It's just like, I think one thing leads to another. It's hard to say if in 10 years, you know, co-fermented will be a thing. I would love and for it to hope to continue being a thing. Um, But it's like, you know, I think I've been working a lot on living more in the present for myself and like really analyzing, okay, what is it that really needs to be done in this industry? And quite frankly, like I see all these DEI efforts happening. And I think it's just like these major wine corp- uh, companies just trying to check, check a box off because I went to a session r- recently in Napa and like, they're, like all the folks of color in the room, we were all like, we, we, we were left with so much more, like we were wanting so much more out of the conversations that were being held. It was like they just skimmed the surface on what DNI was. And I think 
there's never enough conversation about equity and inclusion. It's just like the diversity aspect and like having people come and work in environments, but it's like, okay, but how do we now provide equity and how do we make these people feel included? And how do we start to create like a demographic change within like Napa itself and people wanting to stay, which over time will have much more of an effect um, because Napa, a lot of Napa is still rooted in a, obviously old white money and you know even just looking at the wine industry as a whole you have this industry was curate like the wine industry in america was curated off of a lot of european like palettes and everything that was happening there which already excluded a, a lot of people and they had they didn't want nothing to do with uh black people and or any other people that weren't white so then you start to like, you know, there's not enough wine isn't really paired with other food palettes. You don't really see like, like, you know, people focusing on like Asian cuisine or Indian cuisine or Caribbean cuisine and trying to focus wine around that. It's always been very European centric, white focused. So I think all these small movements that, that are happening as much as a lot of them may not last, I think it's, being able to collaborate with a lot of people doing this work is what's going to eventually fuel a lot of hopefully will become systematic change. That's I, I believe in the power of people and community and gathering. And I've seen the power that it has and what you feel and everything that's going on. So that's, I guess, my answer to that question. Um, and yeah. <laughs> Yeah, oh, yeah, well, I certainly don't think, I think that as far as like the efforts of, of yourself and, and others are, I don't see that losing steam. What I, mm -hmm. what I, I see, or not see, but what I, I hope is that there will, the, you know, the allyship will, yeah, will not increase. just continue, but that it will increase and that people like realize it's not just about being an ally it's really about like being an anti-racism what what anti-racism mm -hmm. like that means that means that you you know having skin in the game and that means yeah unlearning uh, and, and that means you know unlearning and being you know realizing that at times you're gonna like have to it's not just give something up but it's about like realizing that there are like just there's privilege in between the lines yeah. And I think, I think you know, yeah. Yeah. And I was just going to add, like, I think it's, you know, people coming to a point where they recognize their privilege and they recognize the trauma that, you know, has been endured on a lot of different groups of people and just realizing that they don't have the same access, resources, opportunities. And, you know, that's that's how an ally can become an ally and just like be able to contribute back. I don't there's a lot of people saying that they're quote unquote allies right now, but you know, it's like, they don't really, they aren't doing the anti-racist work. They aren't advocating for, you know, the trans folks that, you know, are paving the way they are they're advocating for queer folks. Like it's, and I, it just comes down to the fact that like, they're not, they're just, they're just not willing to do the work. And it's like, how much more, I mean, I even ask myself sometimes when I'm like stressed out and I'm like, how much more of this do we need to do? And then I think about it and I'm like, it's only started. So I kind of like breathe and tell myself that it's going to be okay. And, um, but it, you know, there are those ugly stressful times where you, you kind of feel frustrated and, or you go through certain interactions with people and you're just like, you know, this is still the major, like, you know, consensus of what people think and, Privilege is still there 100%. People don't really recognize um, how I or, you know, someone that's queer might not be able to have the same experiences walking into a room um, that's predominantly white. Like, like, I'm just like, how do you not see that? Like, <laughs> um, so I think, I mean, it's gonna, it takes a lot. Um, but I always tell people like on it, like showing up is in a way creating change. Um, and I tell myself that all the time, like just being who I am and like being professional and, you know, sticking to, you know, even when, when it comes to my style or advocating for my pronoun usage, like that's all creating like small conversations amongst people to be more aware because they know like, 
I'm hardworking, I have great work ethic, and I'm doing the work. So who are you to devalue me oh, absolutely. for what yeah. I have to offer? But yeah. yeah. We need to take a quick break. We'll be right back with Darren Acosta from Co-Permitted. Okay, we are back. You're listening to KXSF LP San Francisco. This is DJ Pamela Louie, and the show is Fifth Wave Radio, Queerly Drinking, and we're in the Queerly Drinking portion of it. I only wish we could be together and, and share a bottle as we're having this, <laughs> this heavy discussion. Uh, but let, So let's talk about co-fermented. Uh, yeah. I know you've alluded to it a few times, and I'm, I'm sure there are mm. probably people listening who are wondering what that is. So uh, how and why did you start co-fermented? Um, why I started co-fermented is because when I moved here, just kind of pulling off of our previous conversations we just had, um, I just noticed a lack of a gathered LGBTQIA space within the wine industry. And there were so many of these other efforts being done, which are great for BIPOC people, AAPI folks in the industry. And I was like, you know, I am a person of color and I'm queer, but the queer community for me has really has helped me become and, you know, has provided a love and support for me. I want to be able to create a space where we can all gather. And I was meeting people that were feeling the same way as I was just feeling isolated, feeling like they were lacking community. So I was like, great. I think I'm just going to end up starting something and I was really pushed and moved by Stevie who's the owner of Bay Grape and she runs Botanage which is an organization for women in wine and we were having a conversation and she was just like I think you know what you have to do so how did I end up starting it I pretty much executed a an event last year in August um, where I featured with the help of Bay Grape and Miriam and company and many other beautiful sponsors um, that we all put together an event where I featured LGBTQI wine producers. And now it's like been a prime mission of mine to like find more LGBTQI folks in the industry that work around wine, make wine. And it's where I've been spending a lot of my time doing. I just went up to Oregon to Remy Wines put together a queer wine festival and I met 15 other LGBTQIA wine producers. And it was just like amazing because like we're out here. So what I am working on at the moment, at least for another year, is um, just continuing to do these like small events to represent LGBTQIA wine professionals and their work and just be able to like spread the word and gather community around this, around the industry. Um, and then I just finally put together like, you know, a game plan for the future because I want to be able to provide like, you know, other efforts that will hopefully create like systematic change within the industry, whether that's providing certifications, mentorship, I think for me is a really big part of what has helped me get to where I am today and start these initiatives. Um, so I would love to be able to, you know, provide mentorship with people that have been in the industry that are LGBTQIA with new incoming uh, people that want to come into the industry. Um, so yeah, that was a bit of a rant, but <laughs> that is why and how I started co-fermented. And I hope to continue doing a lot of, you know, just community work and bringing people together because you definitely feel a sense of joy and community and joy is a part of that process like creating spaces of joy where we can come together and just kiki it up like you know is a part of that work it feels healing in a way because it's like you're you're seen you're recognized and you know there are other people like you in the industry yeah i think absolutely and, and i'm glad that you mentioned that i like when we're we're talking about oppression and discrimination. It's so easy to just get really bogged down and get depressed by it. And I think it, it is important to, to create the spaces of, of joy where people yeah. can, you know, when you can, where you can celebrate your differences and you can celebrate these beautiful wines that you're making and, and the, mm -hmm. and, you know, the intersection. And I think not every, 
everyone has to, you know, if you're having a, like, you know, a queer event, not everyone nece there necessarily needs to be queer, uh, but I think everyone has to honor that. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I mean, as you know, with some of the things that I do, it's, that's the thing. It's not, mm -hmm. it's not about segregation or discrimination. It's just about, about putting, you know, this is a time when we are going to be honoring the work and the identities of people in our industry who are queer or who are black or who are female. Um, yeah. And, you know, and that is, I think there's a point of, of joy, you know, with, yes. with that, that I think is, is really important, especially today because of what you were saying earlier with all these things going on in the world that, that bring us down. Um, yeah. you, you know, you have to remember to have the, those moments of joy and yeah. you know, what's better than wine in a way, you know, but, <laughs> If you drink wine, not everyone drinks wine, but, yeah. or, or if you enjoy wine, it's, it's just a wonderful thing to be able to share with people. So mm -hmm. I think it's great that you do that. So what are, I mean, you were saying about doing an event, uh, you know, that you did an event with uh, Bakery of last year, which, which is terrific. Uh, do you have another one plant coming up? I do. Yeah. Which thank you for allowing me the space to kind of talk about that too now. Um, so the next event will be at Bay Grape in Napa. It will be celebrating the one year anniversary of just like the creation of Co-Fermented. Um, it will be on a Saturday, August 6th. Tickets will go on sale the second week of July. Um, so anyone that's listening, you can follow my Instagram page, co underscore fermented, and you will see some content being posted soon about ticket sales. So there will be 75 tickets. Um, we will be featuring seven LGBTQI wine producers that will be pouring at the event. Um, some of them are coming from Oregon, which is beautiful. And I thank them so much. And we'll be having a two hour like pouring session. There'll be some bites made by an LGBTQI chef. Uh, and we're going to be having a drag show because I think that's the party element, but also um, it's a part of our culture. Drag is a huge part of our culture. And the drag uh, performer, the drag queen is someone that also works within wine in Napa. So it's all about for me being like hyper intentional with like what I do and also giving back. And yeah, it'll be August 6th on Saturday, August 6th from five to nine. Stay posted on ticket sales. They're $50 a ticket, uh, which will also help to pay all the producers that are coming down and their wine and everyone that's going to be there providing, you know, joy for the event, but also help to uh, fundraise money for future co-fermented events. Great. So, okay. So, and this, I don't, so I, you, your pronouns are they, them. Yes. Uh, you know, those are i'm not i sort of feel like i know that for some people pronouns are a very big part of their identity and that mm. i respect that for me is not so much but i also tend to be in the they them because i feel like you know i mean that's a, a whole other conversation but i don't want to get into <laughs> no no but i mean that that just feels the, mo the most honest um mm -hmm. but like we have a real, it's a very changing dynamic in the, just in general, general in the LGBTQ community where it's not, you don't have this binary in the way that there used to be the binary. Yes. Uh, and, um, but, and this isn't really a, but this is an, and yeah, there, there are within the LGBTQ IA community, there, there are a lot of like, you know, sub, you know, subcultures too. Mm -hmm. And like you just mentioned, drag being a bit of being a big one. And that, I think that is for, for a lot of people, but not, not for everyone. Mm -hmm. uh, there are, um, you know, the winemakers I know, and granted it's, it's only in the last few years that I've really, I feel like there are more winemakers I know who are open, who are like out and queer. And mm -hmm. I think it's also because there were younger people who were in the industry who were getting to realize, well, there, there actually might be a place for me here. Uh, mm -hmm. where I think 10, 15 years ago, it, it was, yeah, it was definitely governed by a very different mindset. And I think in a lot of ways it probably still is, but, but not, not in every facet of it. So, but, he, but here, here's the point is that how do you, like with co-fermented, how are you planning on making it an inclusive space for all the different subcultures? For instance, how about for lesbians, people who identify as, mm -hmm. as, as lesbians, uh, how will you make it, let's say, more, you know, inclusive, you know, because, yeah, drag is, drag is not as big of a 
thing in you know historically in the lesbian community as it is in, in the gay male community now that's not mm-hmm. to say it isn't an, it, it isn't anything it has been i mean there have been drag king shows for for a long mm-hmm. time but it does but you don't have the sort of the like the ballroom culture which is like such a big part mm-hmm. of you know of especially of, of like black queer life let's say in you know new york and other cities so mm-hmm. how, how are you do you have any ideas or thoughts and i know you're just starting this so yeah you're getting it rolling but how but how yeah. to make it inclusive yeah i think w- one initiative i want to do in the future is to be able to partner with oop, other o- organizations that uh like for instance with you um and the vanguard and then like other organizations like black vines to also celebrate other artistic, like other art forms of um, people in our community. Drag ended up being something that came up to me because I know this fine professional and they haven't been able to fully, you know, express that side of themselves since moving into Napa. So I was also like, I, I, I want to give you a space to do that if you're interested with the co-fermented event. Um, but I do yeah. know that, that like drag is a very male gay kind of like, at least it's more attracted to that part of the community and it's a very large community. So I think emphasizing, you know, in future events, like other, other things that the community is very much known for, like the ballroom culture. I know a lot of people that uh, love to go to balls. I personally have not been to one in my entire life. Um, and I love that it is making its way back into like, you know, the culture now. Um, so I want, I really want to go and I want to meet like more performers and more people that, you know, are enjoy drinking wine or around wine or wine professionals. And they want a space to be able to celebrate that art and craft, like also be, being able to have food at events, but also like being able to find like LGBTQIA folks that are chefs, um, I think is important to me because it's like, I don't know if you know, but like Oakland was just named like the largest queer food capital of the world. Yeah. And I was like, that's amazing because I'm like, I can find there's a lot of talent um, within our community in the Bay Area. So I do hope to continue like, you know, representing other community, other aspects of other aspects and um, I guess art forms of the industry. I just haven't thought about many other ones yet besides um barroom and drag <laughs> yeah i mean the the bay area has definitely a pretty pretty good uh, like a history of queer mm-hmm. people who are chefs like when i yeah. when i first moved here it, it was sort of like there was so many of there were so many chefs like jeremiah tower alka gilmore mm-hmm. you know, tracy desjardins and you know, some of these names you know i mean unfortunately like alka is no longer living but and, you know there are people like jeremiah who you know i don't know how well known he is to your generation but these are people mm-hmm. who you know tracy's still working and doing great stuff but there there's been you know david tannis uh a full disclosure he is a relative of mine <laughs> but yeah he was one of the chefs <laughs> of Chez yeah he's my wow he is technically my step uncle because my dad's wife he is my the his his sister is my dad's wife so he's technically my step anyway wow. but, 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 but David I mean, there, there are so but there are a lot of people who are you know since I've been living here I've known a lot of people in in the food industry and I think that's you know one one reason why I uh kind of got a little sucked onto the the food side of it but even the on the wine side of it like the more the hospitality like opening up wine bars because it just seemed like it was a much more uh, open and friendly place to be if, if you were queer you know, mm-hmm. 30 years ago then working in in wineries like there were there were 30 years ago there were people who who were winemakers who you know I heard were were queer but they weren't out um, yeah and yeah I mean it's kind of interesting to think about but yeah I mean there is this this history there and um, you know now it's great yeah I did hear that about Oakland and it, yeah. I mean, it's great I mean Oakland is Oakland is, is, is just so hella cool. I, you know, there I'd love to personally would love to move there, but there's me a part, too. I know, but, there, <laughs> but there's a part of me that feels like I, I just need to like stay in San Francisco and try to be part of a, do my little part to get the city back to being like queer and a 
place where misfits again. And, you know, I, I'm, mm-hmm. I'll probably die trying <laughs> I, or I might hop to the other side of the bridge by the <laughs> at some point anyway. But yeah, no, o- Oakland is great. So I, I think, you know, what, what you're doing with co-fermented, it, it is really interesting because it's, I know that like the idea of co-fermented, it, it, it's really, it's, uh, you know, first a, a, you know, a, a queer group, a queer movement, but there is always, you know, the, this intersection mm-hmm. between, you know, whether, you know, being queer, but then also, you know, especially for you, where there's the, mm-hmm. you know, the racial element where you can't, you know, it's, there is a difference between being a, being queer and being black in, in this country or in, in the Bay area and between being white and, and being queer. Uh, and yeah. how does that, the intersection of different identities shape uh, what you're doing at Co-Fermented? I was just about to say, I think that like my, my identity um, in a way I hope that creates, you know, an inviting um, space for people that are with, are within the queer community, but are, are also BIPOC because, or Caribbean, um, because I feel like this is who I am. Like I identify as non-binary. These are my, my pronouns are they, them. I am my parents are Dominican, so I'm Afro-Hispanic. And then I was born here, so I'm first-generation American. Like, these are all kind of, you know, communities that all have a lot of hardships and we're all considered minorities, even though that's changing. Um, and I hope that, you know, just being who I am is able to attract people that relate to me because I feel like all the time I live, I never can live all the identities at once. Uh, It's even though it's me, like, I don't know if this makes sense, but like having to go back to Dominican Republic and be considered American because I I wasn't born there. And I have, I definitely do acknowledge that I have privilege when I go there for being American, but then being here and being seen as BIPOC and then also being queer in the Latinx community, like, there's like this whole religion thing and there's a lot of like erasure of um queer people and there's homophobia so I've had to deal with all of that my entire life so and I just try to remain as positive as I can because I do believe that there can be a harmonious space where we can all come together so I think that I always think of that when I create events or when I go into um when when I went into co-fermented because I know that there are many other people like me and in the building of co-fermented, I, you know, questioned, do I make this, you know, a space for, you know, just BIPOC queer people. But then I felt like, no, because I, in a way there are other LGBTQIA and queer folks that um, need a space and they are, they are in BIPOC and they are having a hard time in the industry. And I don't want to have to like, I don't want to have to segregate anything. And I want to be able to make it open to many other people, even allies that want to, you know, do the work, do the, the internal work and be a part of this movement. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that's like in a way showing up as who I am kind of, I hope that helps to create an, an inviting space. I think I'm, I'm nice and I'm kind. <laughs> yes, you're nice and you're kind. <laughs> um, but yeah. Well, so with how does co-fermented work? Like, do you have membership or like, mm-hmm. okay, so so what is what does membership entail? Like, what is it to become a member? Is there a cost for it? Yeah, because um, I'm sure there right- are people listening who might be interested. Yeah, right now I don't have like a membership, um, I guess, you know, system created. I am right now I'm one person, but with the help of many other people that have other efforts that have that are helping me put on these events. Right now, it is just an event focused um, organization to kind of get the word out there. I do collect people's information during these events. And um, I have an email list of that I will begin to use for the future of events that come up. Um, But that is something that I have in mind within the next year of the organization is creating a sort of membership based community. Um, Just haven't really gotten there yet. Um, Honestly, first step is creating a board. So (laughs) 
uh, because that would help me, you know, have other like-minded individuals kind of contribute kind of like what you do with Vingard um, and, you know, have monthly meetings. So if anyone that's listening um, and is interested in potentially being in a board, you can follow Instagram, my Instagram page. And when that time comes, I'll probably put out like a blast of like looking for board members and have the positions listed. But yeah, right now it's mostly focused on events um, and getting the word out there. I do plan to do future events and like small pop-ups in cities. For instance, I'm planning I'm planning to do one in, in, in New York City before the year ends. And then um, probably do one, another one in LA. The one in LA that I just did was really successful that they want to do it bi-monthly. So yeah. I think that might be an option. So for LA folks who might be listening or if you have anyone listening that has friends in LA, let them know that that might be a possibility. Um, but yeah, you can follow Co-Fermented, also working on a website where everything will be posted. I believe in websites still. I believe in websites too, but <laughs> yeah. You know. But I'm older than you. <laughs> okay, so th- that's great. I was going to ask you if you were going branching out to. I know that you did the event in in Los Angeles last week, but I was wondering mm-hmm. if you were doing planning on doing them in some other cities. So I think that's great. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. I, I, it it's important. Like, I mean, the Bay Area. This is a, a great place to start uh, because, as a rule, you're going to have you're going to have more people who are going to not not just be open to it, but actually really want to have something like a co-fermented, but it's actually in other places, it's really, really needed too. And, and even thinking mm-hmm. about some of the places where we may not want to go right now, like yeah. Texas and Florida, uh, mm-hmm. where while they have very draconian, you know, laws right now regarding, you know, regarding, you know L- not just LGBTQ issues, but other, you know, human rights issues that we care about as well. Very much, um, yeah. But the, you know, you have both in Florida and in Texas, like really big LGBTQIA communities. I, mean, I think you know Houston has one of the, the the largest gay populations in the in the country. Um, at least it used to. So that's a place where, like, it, I think it would be great you know, to see some of that happen because I think that people in these states really need that support. You know, even more than mm-hmm. they do in the Bay Area. Yeah, for sure. And I was just put on to uh, some folks down in Florida, in Miami, there's like a really huge wine scene and like mm-hmm. young, young wine professionals down there and also Austin. So yeah. th- it's definitely been in rotating conversation um, and I'm definitely not opposed to, you know, shining a light on and bringing co-fermented to those cities, you know, to spread that awareness. But also like in those states, I definitely do need um some more moral support and community with everything just going on politically i think yeah those those are definitely also on the radar um sure. just kind of uh, executing one at a time yeah. but yeah i definitely agree okay so so beyond co-fermented so we just have a few more minutes here beyond mm-hmm. co-fermented so you're now you're working at scribe yes uh, and uh which is kind of a, stepping a little bit more in the natural wine direction uh, mm-hmm. You know, depending on how you define it, but it's uh, it's it's a, it's going a little bit more there uh, than mm-hmm. I think you know your the last winery you you worked for, uh, you know, which is and I think it sounds to me I'm sure you're learning a whole lot as you do any time you take a you have a new job. There's a lot mm-hmm. a lot to learn. What else for you as a wine professional do you see for yourself? Oh, I love you. <laughs> Given that you just graduated from college a few years ago, anything you say right now will not be like, no one is going to force this on you. No yeah. yeah. You, you, I, you don't, you don't have to follow the, that path. I am definitely, and I have been a highly considering graduate school because I want to pursue an MBA. Um, there are definitely many scholarships out there that I have applied to. So it's just kind of like seeing we know what comes back. But I think right now for me and what I've noticed is like, I personally think way too much about the future and I've been trying to think too much about the future for uh, just like going through the education system. There's constantly change happening. And then there's like the constant, every semester in college, you have a new schedule, a new routine. You like, there's just like, 
you get so used to like wanting something to change every several months. At least I've noticed within myself and my friends after you finish college that to be able to settle down and just focus seems like it's harder than, than what it sounds like. Um, so right now I'm really just trying to focus and enjoy my time where I'm at. I'm very grateful with, with the people that I have in my community, my job, um, and what I'm doing with co-fermented. So I would like to continue moving up in the ranks of the W set and kind of, I just finished my level two. I'm applying for level three scholarships, you know, just to enhance my education about the wine the rest of the wine world um and also just kind of break down things that i don't see should be a norm because I, I think that's also the joy of like going through these like i guess moving along this space and doing this work it's like going to the w set it's like yeah this is one form of getting education and just because they have it curated in this way or this mold doesn't mean that it has to stay that way i think there's always question that there's always an act of like questioning and changing things so just education focusing on the present for me and hopefully focusing on grad school soon well that sounds great and yeah good, good luck to you with all that be be Thank before you. you go can you just tell everyone again about the event you're doing august 6th and how they can get tickets yeah, so August 6th, Saturday, August 6th at the Bay Grape in Napa, Co-Fermented will be doing its uh, second uh, event of the year. Well, no, sorry. It will be posted on the Co-Fermented Instagram page and it will be 75 tickets available for sale. There will be seven producers uh, being featured that are all LGBTQIA. It will be from 5 to 9 p.m. And you can find all the information being posted in the, within the next two weeks on the Co-Fermented Instagram page, which will have links to the Eventbrite, uh, which, which is where you can purchase your tickets or donate and help subsidize someone else's ticket for those that won't be able to fully contribute to a full ticket. So there's options of ticket sales as well. And which winemakers do you have lined up so far? Um, so we have Luke from Layers Wines up in Oregon. We have Vivian Kennedy um, from Ram Cellars in Oregon. We have um, Rob Fisher from Marine Layer in, um, I believe... Sonoma. Um, there's a gentleman farmer, which is made by Jerome Cherry, and it's also owned by a gay couple. Um, let's see, I just put this list together. Oh, we have Tuanwa, which has an LGBTQIA winemaker. And those are the ones that are coming to the top of my head right now. Great. And uh, well, oh, and I... Remy Wines. Sorry. Okay. Well, yeah. that, sound, that sounds great. I will be sure to put a notice on my phone so that I look out for it and can get a ticket because with only 75, I'm sure they'll go really quickly. <laughs> yeah, and but thank you so much for having me on this. Thank you to everyone who's listening. And I hope this event is going to be a huge success. Fingers crossed. Well, I'm, I'm sure it will be. And you know, thank you for starting this. I think it's definitely yeah. way overdue. I'm glad, glad that that someone has done it and um you know i definitely yeah. look forward to hearing more about it thank you so much for being on the show i think that, like at you this so point, much you've been here support. three times i feel like you, you, I should, you should be getting like a watch or something <laughs> an award <laughs> yeah, exactly you get an award well here i know it's your anyway. day off so i'm not going to keep you any longer yeah thank you so much but for enjoy, your support enjoy the rest of this. me okay we'll talk you to as you. well okay. thank you yep. bye-bye sure.